Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 of the Briong with Justice podcast. Uh, as a part of the Sports Opinions Network of podcasts, today I talked to legendary writer John Jackson Miller, who is famous for writing uh, Star Wars books and novels, Star Trek, Iron Man, Mass Effect, and he is also the curator of ComicCron.com, a site dedicated to uh, analysis of comic sales or throughout history. And that's what we talk about today, the history of his website, uh, distribution and the history of comic sales in general, uh, the current market and where, you know, sales were before the crisis and how retailers were reacting. And of course, coming out of the situation with multiple publishing houses now, Diamond's not ex- entirely exclusive as DC Comics has opened up their own publishing line. And we can talk about what that means in relation to history and the uh, world in the 90s where there were multiple publishers. So it's a very, I found this very informative. I learned a lot of things personally that I did not know about comic sales and in its history. And I feel like if you really enjoy numbers, like sports statistics, you'll really enjoy uh, this episode and learning about how numbers are tracked in the comics world. So stay, keep staying safe, wash your hands and enjoy this episode. Swing drive, right center field, the Braves have won it! Elliott starts right, cuts it upfield, touchdown Dallas! gentlemen welcome to another uh, episode of we're young but justice podcast today i've had the pleasure to welcome uh he's a writer on many uh the properties you've known uh, including uh star wars uh he did knights of the old republic uh mass effect iron man an indiana jones movie prequel comic uh and another awesome fact is he's the curator of comiccon.com which uh collects diamond data on comic sales so which basically comic-con is one the best source for knowing comic sales and that is the curator john jackson miller how you doing hey i'm doing fine doing great uh you know we're all living through this trying to just make it through and uh well yeah. I, I work at home normally so the you know the only difference for me is that you know, I spent it. I spent the entire winter uh, locked in the house writing a novel, and I was hoping to get out. <laughs> oh, as they said, I, I don't know. I think I've seen a million different artists say, "Is always everyone just trying to be comic artists now?" We're yeah. all locked in, staying away from everyone. <laughs> I, I was lucky. I got to do one show uh, last weekend in February in Richmond, and I had this huge slate lined up for uh, for twenty twenty, and. Boy, it's just all gone. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I'm sorry about that. Getting a bunch of updates. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> right now. I know I expected, I think, to go to something this month in New Jersey, which looked to be cool with the East Coast Comic Con. But, you know, that all like that and all sports out the window right now. Before oh, yeah. we get into the nitty gritty of all that, of all the market and everything, I want to go over just the origins of Comic Con. Like, what made you want to get into uh, tracking comic sales? Well, I, uh, as a, you know, as a kid, I started collecting comics at age six and, uh, you know, where other people's mothers, you know, threw their comics away. My mother was a librarian. And so she encouraged me to uh, put my comics in order. So, you know, I can remember even at like age eight, 
uh, you know, sorting my my little Harvey and Gold Key comics by publisher and by uh, you know by alphabetical order by title and then by issue, uh, and you know then you know through high school uh, you know I developed a a you know sort of a, a library accession list to track what I had and how many copies I had and what days I got them uh, and where I got them from, uh, and you know as yeah I. You know, grew older and uh, became a journalist. Uh, you know, I didn't you know keep that level of detail anymore, but I still track you know, what was going on in the business because uh, you know in high school I had discovered Comics Buyer's Guide, the newspaper uh, that was out there that was sort of a, a publication that was read by fans and pros alike, uh, run by uh, Don and Maggie Thompson. And uh, when I uh, uh, got into the working world, uh, after having uh, done a, a really unhappy year as editor of a uh, line of magazines for a, a different commodity, uh, Lumber, uh, I you know, got the chance to uh, go up and interview for uh, the sister publication to Comics Buyer's Guide. Uh, it was a magazine called Comics Retailer. Uh, it had started in uh, 1991, I believe, uh, with the purpose of tracking uh, this booming industry that uh, that you know the comics industry was was really at yeah, heading to its peak uh, in 1993, uh, and uh, I was hired as uh, the editor of Comics Retailer, working alongside uh, Don and Maggie. Uh, Don passed away, not too long after I got there, unfortunately. Uh, but I continued to work uh, you know, with uh, the publication and, and with the, the consumer magazine Comics Buyer's Guide uh, for over a decade. And in that period, uh, I was able to uh, take some of uh, you know, my interests in tracking how many comics were out there. Uh, and you know, I, I was able to develop uh, a the beginnings of a database of what existed, uh, and it was also in that in that period where we had the distribution wars, uh, where it was no longer possible to get all comics from any one distributor. Uh, so in uh, in 1996, I arranged with uh, Marvel to uh, you know provide me the sales figures that were. Uh, you know, of the comics that they were doing through Heroes World Distribution, that allowed me to begin uh, a unified chart uh, that had everything in it, sort of harmonized everything. Uh, to this day, uh, the Excel file that I use is still called Harmony because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it brought together, uh, you know, Diamond and Heroes World. And then, of course, then Heroes World folds and Diamond has everything. But I just kept doing that. And um, even after you know, I was promoted out of the magazines and started my own comics writing career and my own novel writing career and eventually left the company and, and uh, you know, to do my own thing, I kept doing these numbers because I wanted to you know, sort of preserve that information. Uh, I wanted to be able to tell people, you know, what is the real story. I mean, everybody on the internet has their own view of what comics should be like and what the business should be like and how they should be sold. 
and everybody uses uh, you know various facts and figures to support their case, and uh, a lot of what people knew was just you know, not correct. Uh, that was certainly the case 20 years ago uh, when you know there were they were still running articles in Fortune magazine about how great comics uh, were as a business. Uh, you know, o- over a year after it had started to collapse. <laughs> that, That's ironic. The, yeah, well, the information just wasn't out there. Uh, it just wasn't public. And, um, you know, and so, uh, you know, a, 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 another reason that I thought people needed to see this data is because of that crash. Um, you know, uh, and this was something that uh, that Steve Jeppe, the, uh, the founder of Diamond, uh, mentioned in this great, uh, this great uh, podcast uh, that was yesterday uh, as we were recording this. Uh, yeah, that was a period in which speculation was rampant and a lot of people thought that the comics that they bought were going to fund their college education. Uh, and they just didn't know how many existed. They didn't know what the supply was. Uh, so they had no way of really gauging what the real price was. Um, you know, we were in the price guide business uh, at Krause Publications uh, but price guides kind of are an after-the-fact kind of a thing. I mean, after the sales have been made, uh, you know, uh, you get to know what things are worth. Um, if you know up front that there are, you know, half a million copies of Detective Comics 1000, you're probably not going to bet the farm on it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's something where I think that it's it's helpful to the business uh, both in real time to have this information out there. And then also it's helpful uh, historically so that people can understand what the picture was like, what we've gone through. Uh, and, and so again, when I, when I quit the day job in 2007 to write full time, I just uh, moved my archives, everything that I was working on and had been working on, you know, that that never, you know, I I did a lot of stuff that never even appeared at at, uh, at the Krause magazines. I just moved all of that uh, to Comicron.com. Uh, it was originally uh, called the Comics Chronicles, and of course, you know, you realize after about five minutes on the internet that the shorter the name is, the better. <laughs> exactly. So, question about the obtaining of numbers in your research to go into it. Can you tell me a little bit about that process and like how do you obtain the numbers? Well, there there are five or six different data sets that I'm working with. Uh, The one that people are most familiar with is the monthly sales charts from Diamond. Uh, I'll circle back to those uh, in a minute, but I I also uh, work with a lot of other data. Uh, There's uh, a, a... phenomenon that is peculiar to American magazines, where if you sell your magazine by subscription uh, and you ship it periodical class, uh, by law, you have to say how many copies you uh, sold on average in a form that's in the magazine every year. Uh, And so uh, that's called a statement of ownership. If you go back and look at old comics from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you will find these things usually hidden on the letters page. Uh, and uh, they're, you know, very small type and indecipherable. Uh, there were over 4,000 of these. I now have almost all of them. And so I have a, a good idea of sales back to 1960. Wow. Uh, so uh, so that's, one, that's one thing. Some of that is on the Comicron site in, in a section called Postal Sales. 
which is reachable via the, uh, the yearly sales section. But I have not updated it in a long time because I have a much bigger update coming that's going to encompass that and some other material. Um, I also have uh, traveled to the headquarters of the company that used to be the Audit Bureau of Circulation. Um, almost all magazines uh, that have advertising uh, are audited, uh, which is to say, if you sell advertising and you say, hey, you buy an ad in my, in my magazine, you're going to get three, three million readers. Well, the people that buy the ads want to know whether that's true or not. And so there are these third parties, uh, the, what used to be the Audit Bureau and another one called BPA, where they go out and they actually will go in the offices and look at the records. Uh, and they will do an annual audit report and say, here's what they really sold. Uh, well, they've been doing that for comics uh, since 1938. Uh, and wow. and, well. and uh, they stopped only recently uh, DC and Marvel finally dropped out because they no, they no longer really make their money selling ads. Uh, same way, you know, they don't run the, the postal uh, the forms anymore uh, because their comics don't send, they, they don't send their comics uh, through periodical class anymore. Uh, actually, uh, Midtown Comics mails them for them. <laughs> to their subscribers. So one question actually off, off yeah. of that. So those so when they do these black label books that are straight uh just straight story, no ads in it, they really don't lose anything compared to the uh regular periodicals? Well, I mean there's there's they, they make some money. I mean there's still some ads. Uh but you know it, it 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 the the way that we used to sell comics advertising, it wasn't like you buy an ad in Conan. No, you would buy an ad in all of Marvel's superhero titles. Uh, and they would bundle that together into a big thing. Um, and, you know, it, deciphering what's actually in the basket of sales each month is one of the things that I've been working on. Um, but, you know, one of the things that happened is basically, um, you know, the numbers got lower. And as the numbers got lower, even when they were all bundled together, uh, you know, comics weren't as great a buy as they had been. Uh, and so, uh, but that's true for all advertising in all magazines. Uh, and, uh, but it was the case that, you know, ads were a, a bigger profit center for comics. One of the things that happened is, yeah, uh, people got more demanding about their comics. They didn't like the idea that there were a bunch of ads in the middle of the comic book. Um, you know, kicking ads out of comics that was one of the first things people started doing in the 1980s, uh, you know, with, with sort of these more deluxe, uh, you know, printings and, and uh, imprints. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, there's that. Anyway, uh, the Audit Bureau is just another source of information. I have a lot of data that has come from the publishers themselves. Uh, some distributors that have closed down have given me everything they had. Uh, and so I've got, I've got that available. Uh, and then, of course, we have these monthly sales charts. Uh, and uh, where that comes from uh, is uh, in 1984, I guess it was, uh, Capital City Distribution, which was uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, was, uh, you know, until the, until the end, it was pretty much the number two distributor uh, in comics for the direct market. Um, they started running a sales chart that had an index in it. So it actually had a little, uh, a number there that said, uh, if you bought, uh, if a retailer, uh, uh, here, here's our sales, here's our rankings. 
And for every hundred copies of X-Men that retailers bought, that our customers bought, uh, they bought uh, 120 copies of Crisis on Infinite Earths. And they, they didn't want to say how many copies they exactly sold because they didn't want their competitors to know that and, and all of that. But they wanted their retailers to know, hey, this Crisis on Infinite Earths book must be pretty good if the average retailer is selling, you know, 20% more copies than they're selling of, of X-Men uh, or buying of X-Men. Uh, and, and so they started running these monthly. That has continued. Diamond picked it up in, in the early 90s, running these order index numbers, and they've run them ever since. Uh, and the trick is, everybody has always known, all you have to do to unlock what the sales for the industry are uh, is to know roughly what any of the comics in the list sell. And so it, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit like, I guess, a Sudoku puzzle, but you, you, can, you, can, actually, you can actually work it out. I mean, it's, it, the, the information is there. Um, you know, it, it would be like, uh, you know, I know you have a sports podcast. Uh, if you had the slugging percentage and then you, you had a few other pieces of information, you could figure out somebody's batting average from it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's something where uh, they've continued to view it as valuable for retailers to be able to see, hey, look, you know, this is what these things are selling relative to each other. Uh, and then what happened is, uh, you know, this information just started getting out. Uh, in the 1990s, when the internet came along, uh, you know, one of my colleagues just started printing the printing the, uh, the the rankings as he had computed them, uh, and I was already doing them. I decided to take it all onto uh, first Comics Buyer's Guide, the, the the website we had, and then and then to Comicron. Uh, and uh, again, the 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 thing with these charts uh, and the the March ones just came out today as we're recording this. Um, they are really valued by different people for different reasons. Um, you know, my traffic, about half of it is people who care about the horse race. What's selling well? Is this going to get canceled? You know, what is it? The other half is from collectors uh, and historians who want to know what things used to sell, what the original supply was. Uh, one of my most popular pages is from the month that Walking Dead number one came out. Because everybody's wants to know, hey, look at that. I mean, you know, it's 8,000 copies or whatever it was. <laughs> we, you know, we want to see this. Uh, and so, um, you know, the, 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 these charts have had to serve a lot of different purposes. Uh, but their, their real reason for existing is for the retailers, uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people treat them like a scoreboard. Uh, hey, these, these don't include all sales. They're not supposed to include all sales. They're not a scoreboard. Uh, the purpose of the numbers uh, is to help retailers in deciding what they're going to carry. Uh, it's a commodity report. It tells them what's available out there. It, it's a commodity report just like the lumber sales reports I used to run. <laughs> it was we were not out there trying to prove hey look western red cedar is a more popular lumber than eastern white pine uh it was it was 
uh, you know, the retailers needed to know for their business what was out there. So you're saying that 9.5 X to number one could be like 12 million? <laughs> well, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, everybody, everybody uses it for different things. And so, uh, you know, it, and, and there's just a lot more information out there. Um, you know, they, they, you know, the, the, you know, the, the CGC numbers, those, those came along, CGC came along in the early 2000s. Uh, I covered that very heavily uh, for Comics Buyer's Guide. And we, in fact, put them in our first, uh, our first, uh, we, we put them in our first uh, comics price guides that I also integrated the sales charts in, uh, which uh, was called the Standard Catalog, Standard Catalog Comic Book Series. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, the whole idea is, you know, there's a network of information now. We know how many copies existed of something in the beginning. And we also know from CGC how many network, how, how many copies existed, you know, now, or how many, how many still exist, uh, and in what grades. And, uh, you know, we know from eBay, uh, you know, what the interest is in them. So it's, you know, somewhere between all of this, there's, there's, uh, you know, this, this, there's this network of information that's always changing. Uh, and I, yeah, it's, it is the case that yeah, publishers uh, and certainly creators will get out there and say, "Hey, look at me! Look at what I'm selling." Um, and sometimes they'll say, "Hey, we're not we're, we're selling a lot more than appears on your on your charts." <laughs> but the fact is, yeah, that may be true, and in fact, it certainly is true. Uh, I, I've told them that if the Comicron Diamond charts listed everything they sold, then they're wrong. Uh, the charts are wrong. The information is wrong because. You know, we know it doesn't uh, include everything. It doesn't include anything outside of North America because North American retailers do not need to know what UK retailers sold. That's not part of the same marketplace uh, in terms of the comics leaking back from one market into the other. Yeah, you're, you're talking about quite a bit of money just in shipping, you know, to get a comic book from last week from England. <laughs> it's... It's not, uh, it's not something that, uh, that, you know, that normally happens. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's something where, um, you know, you, you also have, uh, okay, those monthly reports, they don't include sales outside the calendar month. So uh, they, will have, they will have reorders that will show up uh, that will, you know, break into the top 500 uh, it's easier now because there's 500. There used to be just, you know, it used to be a top 100 in the very beginning. Uh, usually now around 400th place, you'll start to see a lot of reordered comics uh, that that were from two or three months ago. But in general, um, if your book comes out in the last week of the month, you're at a disadvantage in those charts than if you came out the first week of the month. Because that first week's book's have had more time on the stands uh, and more reorders have shipped, more copies have cycled. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons I say, you know, a lot of people, you know, we, you'll see on various sites, uh, people will take the numbers from Comicron or ICV2 and they'll try to line them up in a, a thing saying, okay, here's what sales on uh, you know, Radioactive Man 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. <laughs> 
Just good, to make good up reference. Comics. Yeah, just, you know what? You know, to make up a to make up a comic book that never had an issue one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But 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 you know, what they'll do is they'll take all those those numbers from the the diamond charts and they'll put them in and they'll try to use them to say, hey, look at this comic book. It's heading towards cancellation or something, or it's trending upward. Well, the fact is, we already know there's a lot of volatility in the charts. Um, for one thing, uh, as I've mentioned. You know, nothing that came, nothing that was not in the calendar, uh, you know, month is counted. So, for example, uh, you know, February, uh, a comic book, uh, uh, you know, might have sales of a hundred thousand copies. Uh, March, it might have sales of ninety thousand copies. You say it's dropping. Well, we might find out that in February, that comic book came out in week one, and in March, that comic book came out in week four. And in fact, their sales were exactly equal. It's just that the week four book had its other 10,000 copies in April. And so uh, that's why I say this, this, is, this, is a, this is a very noisy, volatile data set. Where we get the most use out of it is the relative rankings from title to title are pretty good. And the aggregate rankings of everything that sold in the business that is also very good as well. Uh, but again, even there, uh, you get into calendar things like um, the month of April. If we had had uh, you know, uh, comics, new comics out in the month of April, uh, I can already tell you April 2020 would have been better than April 2019 if there had not been a, a coronavirus epidemic. Because what does April 2020 have uh, that uh, that April 2019 didn't have uh, pop quiz. Okay, uh, I don't know. I was, all my only thing is uh, X Men. <laughs> like a hype nope. X Men. April, April 20 April 2020 has today. What is today? Today is the fifth Wednesday of the month. Oh my God! I can't even. I can't now. Yep. <laughs> Over my head. I should and, delete. And, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's really easy. That's it's really easy. So, 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 uh, what we have found over the years is that just having the fifth Wednesday adds about twelve to fourteen percent to the sales of everything overall. It may not add that much to individual titles, but that extra week in there means that it captures more comics. Isn't this um, typically annual week? Uh, well, you know, it used to be just a skip week. It used to be, it used to be nothing, but the thing is, and, and, and it used to not be that bumpy because publishers would not increase the number of titles that they, they, they did in the month. Um, but the fact is when you've got 500 comic books coming out a month, it almost doesn't matter what the publishers intended because a number of comics will just by virtue of what the printers do land in that fifth week uh, and it'll get distributed across that. Um, and then of course, you know, you have reorders. So uh, if there's more chances for reorders to get shipped with your books, um, that's going to increase as well. So again, this is why I say I try not to do cross time tracking on titles, especially since we're now in an age where the comic book itself is not the um, is not the sole source of revenue for a property. Uh, I mean, the cross-time rankings would be useful for the collector uh, to a point. But in terms of telling 
the in terms of telling the health of a series, well, you know, the one that everybody was always you know, looking at was was uh, Ms. Marvel, and they would say, well, look at the sales of Ms. Marvel, the comic book. Well, once Ms. Marvel got to around five graphic novels, it almost didn't matter what the individual issues sold, because the purpose of the individual issues was to create new comics to appear in the graphic novels, which they have sold over half a million of. Um, the, 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 the relative portion of that comic book's revenue coming from the individual comic book, um, once you have a graphic novel series from it, uh, is much, much smaller. And really the purpose of the comic book at that point is to advertise the series and to make sure that the work continues to get done. Um, you you track those too. So what's that like? Because I know there's multiple publishing publishing yeah. houses for those, and they also go to bookstores. So what's yeah, that the, like for you? The bookstore market uh, we track uh, along with a uh, ICV two, which is actually the successor to uh, the publication put out by Capital City Distribution back in the eighties uh, that started the numbers. Um, the uh, the uh, the book channel, as it's known. Uh, which is Amazon, Walmart, uh, Barnes & Noble, all the independent bookstores, that's booming. And it's really booming. Uh, it, they were up dramatically in 2019. The direct market was up slightly in 2019, but the, the, uh, the book channel was way up. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's... it's but, uh, again, this is what I always say to people is that, they say, well, then we don't need comic books anymore. Nonsense. 90% of what is on the shelf at Barnes & Noble, where did it come from? Periodicals. Came from periodicals. The work just won't get done. I write comic books. I do occasionally get uh, hired to write a graphic novel that is not originally collected in issues. Uh, Last year, I, I did a... I did, I did graphic novels for uh, you know, Lion King and also uh, uh, for, uh, for Dumbo, <laughs> even, uh, the movies. Uh, and they were original graphic novels released in that format. Uh, and they, in those cases, they did pay me to go away and write 60 pages all at once. But most of the business is predicated on, uh, well, the other, the other comic I had out last year, I did a Battlestar Galactica series for the 40th anniversary. Uh, and on that, you get paid by the individual issue, uh, which makes sure you get the thing done uh, and, you know, advertises and sells, you know, gets some revenue coming in on the books before the graphic novel comes out. Um, most uh, creators uh, cannot go away for six months to write or draw a 120-page book without any revenue coming in. Uh and most publishers don't want to work that way either. Uh, this is actually an advantage we have over regular books. This fact that we can serialize it throughout the individual issues is, is colossal. Um, novels. A lot of novels uh, in the 19th century didn't begin as novels. None of the Sherlock Holmes novels began as novels. Uh, they were magazine articles they were serialized uh same for uh same for the stuff uh by uh charles dickens he had a newsletter so if you ever read you know great expectations <laughs> or or tale of two cities or whatever it was actually coming out in his newsletter 
yeah, it, it was serialized. It was, you know, there was something prodding him to get it done. And it was building an audience before anybody ever tried to sell it as a book. And that's what we got. And, and it's, it's actually a pretty good system. Um, you know, the, the average sales of comic books, uh, the actual comic books have not changed a lot over the last 20 years. It's in the six to 8 million copy a month range, but that's enough. That is apparently enough to be able to fuel all of the ancillary stuff that we've made, the graphic novels, which, uh, are you know now a larger part of the business than the comic books themselves, and they have also fueled the uh, uh, yeah the digital uh, that digital was money that didn't exist in this business uh, ten years ago and um, and it does not appear to be money that uh, that you know uh, came out of uh, demand for the physical comic books uh, sales on both have gone up over the last decade. How do you track that? That's a question. I didn't want to dive too deep into it because there's obviously more pressing topics that I wanted to get into, but just like a quick note of it, are you able, are you going to be able to track those? Cause that's been a major question is tracking these numbers. Are they ever going to come um, out? Well, digital is a bit of a black box because nobody has ever, you know, there's, we don't, we haven't had anything like the dynamics in comics uh, you know, comics is actually a very transparent business relative to some other other fields. In comics, because of the advertising thing, because of the fact that their collectibles and retailers needed to know, you know, what the prices of these, or rather, what how many, what the quantities of uh, these commodities were that were in the market. You know, we developed uh, sort of uh, uh, this this uh, you know this this uh, system of you know having a lot of information out there. Um, digital has never really had that. And in, in many cases, the publishers themselves are selling the books. Uh, so they have no impetus whatsoever, uh, or no requirement to, to provide anything. Um, however, uh, you know, my partner in the annual report is ICV2. Uh, they were very early on this. In fact, uh, Milton Greep, the founder of ICV2, was one of the original principals with uh, Comixology. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he has a better handle on that business. Uh, and so we kind of have a, an idea of what the sales are for, uh, the comics, uh, you know, digital sales are, uh, for the comics that are sold outright where it's, uh, you know, you're, you, you're, you're, you're buying it to own as opposed to the subscription services, uh, like, um, you know, Marvel Unlimited, where we just don't have a clue. Uh, we, we, do, we know it can't be too big uh, because, you know, we kind of have a notion of what the royalties are that, uh, that the creators are getting. Um, and we kind of see that dynamic as well from some of the streaming services uh, with television. I mean, you would think there's a lot of money in, in it, but it gets divided up across so many different titles uh, you know, or episodes or whatever it is um, you know, that, that nobody is, is really uh, going to the bank. Uh, what it all is worth together, we don't know. I don't know that we will ever know. There are still some portions of print comics that we just don't have a handle on. Uh, we know that a ridiculous number of graphic novels are sold to libraries. Uh, and we just don't have a handle on that. Uh, Milton does, as part of the book channel, 
uh, talk with people in the book fair trade. Uh, the book fairs are, are you know, Scholastic will have the book fairs in, in schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, you know, that's where a lot of these books are going where, you know, people will say, hey, these comics, the individual comics aren't selling uh, that much in the comic shops. Yeah, you know, you're just not where these books are selling. Uh, you're, they're, they're sold in collected edition and they're sold to the kids and they're sold in schools. They're sold uh, in places you don't see. I, it's crazy. I knew there was the digital unknown, but I did not have knowledge that within what you track, there's a huge unknown. Oh that yeah. It's crazy. Oh yeah. So to get into the topic at hand, obviously is 2020 and the coronavirus and area. There's multiple questions. I will definitely want to get into in terms of the market itself and uh, of course publishing. So I guess the first off is uh, based on your numbers and what you have, where did you see that people, or I guess actually, no, in this case, the buyers or the retailers, that retailers saw that they were cutting back before it all shut down? Okay. Um, through the end of February, uh, we were actually up for the year. Um, it was, it was, uh, gotta, it was always going to be a challenge beating March of 2019 uh, because that had Detective, uh, De- right? Detective 1000. And, you know, there's some debate there. Well, you know, uh, Detective 1000, if people didn't buy that, they would have bought something else. Um, I don't know that that's fully true because when it comes to those big books like Detective 1000 or Action 1000 or something like that, where it's a $5 million book, um, yeah, retailers do pull some money from the other comic books they might have bought instead. Uh, but they also pull in some money from outside of comics. They don't order that many Funkos that month. They don't order that many, uh, you know, uh, statues that month or something like that. Uh, you know, there's, there's some outside money that comes in just because you have a high profile thing. I can guarantee you the huge boom we had in late 2011 when the new 52 happened, that was money that was not you know, on the sidelines, uh, just waiting for the right product. That was already money that was in the shops. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, money they'd pulled from other things, uh, games or whatever else it was. And if there had not been a new 52, if there had not been a detective 1000, uh, you know, those individual months would not have been as big as they were. So, yeah, I think it does matter when you have these big high-profile things in the comparatives. Uh, it does matter to say, uh, as we found out, uh, in the month of March, uh, the, uh, the sales were almost identical with February in terms of sales to retailers. That's the important thing to remember. The diamond charts are sales to retailers, what they shipped, uh, what they ordered, and what they shipped. Um, uh, so the sales were almost identical for February, they normally would have been higher because uh, as the year goes on, uh, as the winter goes on, publishers increase their production. They put out more titles for when they expect people will be there. Uh, and, you know, the, the, you know, once you get to the last week of, of March, you're past spring break and you're into the, into the spring season uh, heading towards new, uh, heading towards free comic book day. 
uh, you're starting to see the volume of titles go up. And so the sales should be going up. March in a normal year should beat February. In fact, it was almost exactly the same size as February, uh, $37 million. And it was um, 15% lower than last March. But again, I'll note last March had Detective 1000 in there. And uh, if you didn't, didn't, if you didn't have Detective 1000 in there, and also if they hadn't spent the money on something else, yeah, you know, then March is actually ahead. Uh, but yeah, you know, the key is we're not going to pretend like March was a good month because March, that's the sales to retailers. That's what they were betting as they were heading into, uh, into the year. The initial orders for March are coming in at the end of January uh, when there's no epidemic that anybody's really you know, aware okay. of. Okay. Once, once we get into late February and early March, though, retailers have some information, and so they're able to adjust their orders downward. Uh, any of the books that are on final order cutoff, uh, you know, they can, they can cut way back on. Uh, and then you had the phenomenon of a number of stores that knew that they were closing. They were able to just park their accounts. Uh, and say, Diamond, don't ship me anything else. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the ramifications are in our charts. Uh, sales were down about 15% from this March uh, versus previous March. Uh, but the, now the interesting thing that I found, and this is in the charts that can be seen on the March 2020 page on Comicron, um, you know, you always have to kind of examine your prior assumptions. And when I got these numbers in the beginning, I was like, okay, well, I assume if I break this thing down by week, that sales would have trailed off uh, through the month. People would have ordered less and less. Uh, in fact, the opposite happened. Um, and the reason is because those publishers made those publishing schedules, uh, you know, six months ago. Uh, and they were all expecting a normal March. And so, uh, you know, the, the last week of March actually had more new comics shipping in it than any week in 2020 so far. Uh, and Interesting dynamic there. Retailers ordered fewer of them. Retailers ordered significantly fewer of them. So I have two charts, the number released per week and then, and then the, uh, the average sales um, you know, the average sales for the week uh, were per title, per new release. Those average sales were actually lower than any week in the last two months. But uh, if you add all those comics together, yeah, retailers actually had greater volume shipped to them the last week uh, in uh, April, or not April, last week in March, than in any other week in March. And uh, and of course, this is all stuff coming in. You know, retailers are often not able to sell it. It underscores that uh, there is a significant issue that will come along. And Steve Jeffy was asked about it yesterday in this uh, online uh, forum of, you know, what do we do with all these comics? Uh, there's, there's this backlog that has to go out. And, you know, it, it's... It is helpful that a number of things, you know, a number of publishers have had the opportunity to just flat out cancel the books that were going to be printed at this point uh, and reschedule them. Uh, 
because that's going to be an issue going forward. I, I, I do want to underscore, it does not look to me like anything was pulled into March from April. Um, you know, when I say that more comics came out, more new comics came out in the fourth week, um, I don't think it was because of anything other than the natural dynamic that publishers have that as the, as the temperatures warm up, the shelves get crowded. It's crazy looking at the, uh, what it's crazy thinking about all that information. I didn't know before just about March. I really never thought about how in advance they did it. So I guess the question before I get into the publishing aspect of it and the news that's come out of that is, Compared to, I guess, I guess three specific periods I'm looking at, and in this, uh, I'm looking specifically at the comic bust uh, in '90, and then the two, uh, and then post 9/11 and the recession, the most recent recession in 2007, uh, '89. Uh, how, like, is this going to be those levels of numbers when they eventually come back, or is it going to be worse? Well, I'll tell you this: the the numbers on uh, I was prepared for the March numbers to make no sense. Uh, and they were strange, but it looked relatively normal uh, on this end because these are orders placed in advance. Um, April, I have no idea what's going to happen with. Uh, March, who knows? Uh, or I'm sorry, May, uh, who knows how much material is going to be out there. I don't think the comparatives are going to be very useful uh, for about six months. Um, I just don't think we're going to know. And that is because you have a lot of different dynamics going on. You've got uh, stores that are in states that are not open yet. Um, you know, Wisconsin, where I'm at, we will not be open by May 20th uh, when uh, the, uh, you know, when the, uh, the, the uh, uh, you know, when the uh, diamond books are supposed to start flowing again. Uh, you know, we, we don't know, uh, you know, what uh, publishers are going to be fully staffed and running yet at that point. We don't know. Uh, there's just a lot of question marks. A lot of retailers are waiting for capital. They're waiting for their loans to come in, uh, their, 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 their PPP assistance to come in. Uh, so there's just a whole lot of dynamics happening right now. Uh, and it's just... You know, you, you don't get in and do the battle damage assessment while the, the bullets are still flying, uh, to use a, a metaphor, or, or while, you know, or you don't, you, don't, you don't survey the damage from the storm. That's a better one. Yeah, there you go. While, while the winds are still blowing. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and it's certainly not a good time to remodel the house. Uh, you do that afterward. You do that after you see what's happened. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's that. So, yeah, the, the I think the, the bad weather is a, is a better uh, one. Um, and we have had incidents in the United States where uh, winter weather uh, and hurricanes have shut down comics distribution for a week or two in certain parts of the country. Uh, and we, we know how to start that back up again. This is something new, though. Uh, you mentioned the Apollo 13 uh, reference at one point, uh, you know, we, we, uh, that I've, I've made, I, I don't know what it looks like to restart this business. So I cannot tell anybody, you know, you, a, a, 
a, a, a corresponding thing in the past. Uh, and again, I'm really more about the past and not the future. I'm, I'm more about what the comparatives are. Um, you know, the, 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 the crash of the early 90s, uh, you know, this is not like that. Uh, that was, that was a, a, an oversupply in the number of stores. Uh, that was that that came out of a credit bubble that came out of the fact that there were way too many distributors and they were, uh, you know, clawing at each other and offering ridiculous terms to any, you know, lunatic who wanted to open a comic shop. Uh, 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 and in some cases, it were they were lunatics. I mean, it was, <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, 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 what what was what was going on back then is that there were street fights, uh, uh, not literal, but in between various distributors in various parts of the country uh, where you would have field reps going into stores and they would find the they, they would find the uh, they would find the the assistant manager or the employee that was most disgruntled and they would say hey we will open you up in a shop across the street oh my we don't goodness. care we don't we don't care that you don't have good uh, uh, good credit rating uh, we just want uh, to take out your opponent uh, or we want your business, and you know I, I uh, I remember this uh, this happened in Memphis where you know, we ballooned from like two or three stores to something like uh, twelve or fourteen. Uh, there were two cases in town where the distributors had uh, competing uh, competing stores across the street from one another. Uh, one of those stores was in a psychiatrist's office. Wow. In, in in a in a medical office building, um, he at least had a building uh, or, or an office. A lot of other people were actually selling the comics out of the back of their cars. Uh, people say there were eleven thousand stores back then. No, there were eleven thousand accounts, is what we think there were buying comics, not necessarily stores. Uh, and so you had, um, and they they might have had accounts with multiple distributors. Uh, but I mean, you had you had a situation. There was a comic shop, one of those in that thing where, it, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, there was a comic shop across from one of the old established shops. Uh, it opened, uh, its, it, it, in 1993, it was selling its comics at 45% off on the rack. Whoa. Well, the math says... <laughs> That's not going to be good. Well, the math says that if he's getting like a 50% discount, he has to sell nine out of 10 copies to make any money. That was not happening. What did, I get, what did Steve get, Jeppy Mentier say when he got into Diamond? It was at 18 or 21 distributors. I think that's what uh, he mentioned. Yeah, I, it, it, well, he, they were probably di handling different parts of the business. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I generally count in, 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 uh, in 1993, there were uh, either 11 or 12 really serious distributors. And some of them were Canadian uh, members of, there was actually an association, the International Association of Direct Distributors. Um, and their very last meeting was the one where Marvel came in and said, we own Heroes World. And DC said, we're not going to talk to anybody at this meeting because Marvel's here. <laughs> uh, that was the last meeting that event ever had, or that organization ever had. That was in 1994. So that was a, that was kind of a, a whole different thing. Uh, you asked about the recession. Uh, uh, well, you asked about nine eleven. Nine eleven was um, was really interesting in that, of course, it, it didn't really 
entail any disruptions except for in the New York area, obviously, and, and uh, maybe in DC in terms, of, uh, in terms of shipping. But when it hit, it hit right at the end of that um, recession in comics that had lasted since 93, when the bubble burst. Um, and it, it could have been a bad thing, but a number of dynamics were helping us in comics. The graphic novel had sort of caught on as this place to, you know, take some of the pressure off the individual comic books. Uh, Marvel was out of bankruptcy and getting its act together, uh, cause it had just done the ultimate, uh, Spider-Man book. And so they had that going. And actually the, the big book that came out that I consider really to be the start of the revival uh, in the 2000s was Wolverine, the origin number one. That came out the Wednesday before 9-11. And so 9-11, in fact, did not uh, stop there from being this revival in comics. In fact, it became a bit of a part of it. The response became a bit of a part of it. Uh, because you had Amazing Spider-Man 36 come out as a memorial issue. Uh, you had the, uh, you know, Marvel and DC and Dark Horse did uh, these memorial uh, books that were out there. Uh, and it was kind of a, a rallying point. So, you know, that disaster doesn't really give us, uh, uh, you know, much in terms of, you know, what the what the financial impact was. But what it does give us is a picture of what might come from this in terms of a rallying point, benefit books, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, that could come out of this. Uh, and then 2008-2009, uh, we actually kind of got hit late by that recession. Um, we were in the middle of a, a still pretty good times from the early 2000s boom uh, that went through uh, civil war and uh, and uh, infinite crisis in those books, and uh, you know it wasn't really until you know, late 2009, 2010. Uh, part of what was going on there was uh, you know there's a price change that was about when everything was going from 299 to 399. Uh, so there were just a number of things going on there. Uh, and uh, then the new 52 happened uh, in September of uh, 2011, and it was like flipping a light switch. And we were off to the races again. So uh, so we basically, I know you said it, we mentioned it off, uh, but when we first started talking about you coming on, you said, not the, you're not the future guy, you're a lot of the past guy. So I know asking yep. that, obviously nobody is, nobody can really predict what the numbers will return to once May 20th and past comes out, because of course states will be open, states won't be open. It's just a wild, it's a wild west of, di- of distribution in terms of all mediums, comics, just everything in terms of whatever gets dis- distributed. And then speaking, oh, and before we move on, uh, the quote that he mentioned, because I think we talked about it off the air, was uh, John mentioned in the chat yesterday of the Steve Jeppy Q&A, this is like Apollo 13. Systems that were never designed to be shut down have to be brought back online in the right order. <laughs> that was the quote when Eddie mentioned uh, in the stream yesterday that I, I screenshot. I was like, no, I have to bring it up today. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely believe it. Uh, you know, I actually, when this all started, uh, I remember tweeting on my personal account uh, a, a, a quote from Mission Control uh, in that movie where 
uh, you know, the, the head of mission control says, okay, what do we got on the spaceship that works? Uh, you know, taking stock uh, because everything was going wrong. And I, I think what we have right now is a system where, you know, money is, money is designed to come in every week. Uh, product is designed to come in every week. Things are at different stages at different places. And what they, what pretty much everybody in America decided to do is once they realized the score here, it was like, okay, let's just freeze. Uh, if we owed you money, you know, we're going we're gonna to wait until uh, we see what's going to happen. Uh, and in some cases, the government has stepped in to cover that. In some cases, you've got, uh, you know, uh, you've got, uh, you know, banks that are willing to say, okay, you can hold off on your mortgage or whatever. Uh, you know, it's obviously not a uniform thing, uh, but uh, this is this is something where the the comics industry did not cause this problem. Uh, you know, no matter what you may read or see or hear anywhere, uh, you know the direct market was in pretty good shape at the beginning of 2020. Uh, and uh, the, the, the comics market in general, including graphic novels, the, the graphic novel uh, market was just going blockbuster. It was going really, really well. Uh, and we did not cause this problem. And um, we, uh, we, we will not alone be able to fix this problem. It's going to require the rest of the world to get straightened out, but we can do our part. Uh, before we move on, I know you said, uh, I'm kind of at that hour mark. How are you on time? Uh, my son has not yelled at me yet about taking up his internet bandwidth. So <laughs> <laughs> I right. guess I should be okay. Uh, before we close it out and I ask you uh, just about your future projects, I did want to ask your opinions on DC comics and their publishing mm -hmm. routes right now. And cause I'm, I'm kind of baffled because everyone I've seen, every it just seems like every comic store that I've seen comment on it is it's all negative. So I, I just want your take on all this and what you've been hearing. Um, you know, I, I think this came up a bit in the discussion yesterday. Uh, and if it, people haven't seen this, uh, Dan Shaheen did this this uh, Shaheen did this discussion with um, Steve Jeppy on YouTube. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, it comes up at one point where there's a mention made of, you know, there's a class of comic shop that uh, might be suburban. It might be, uh, you know, really, really heavily targeted toward the bookshelf that for which the, uh, or, or the new comics rack rather, for which having a steady supply of brand new books, getting people in every week is a big deal. Um, there are a lot of other kinds of comic shops uh, that are diversified in other ways where, you know, if you don't see anything new on the rack, we have all these other books. Uh, <laughs> or we have other things like we're a game store or we're a, uh, you know, we've got, <clears throat> we've, got, uh, we've got toys, we've got other stuff. Um, those are stores that are more insulated from uh, a shutdown of new material coming in uh, for the rack. 
Um, I, I think uh, you know, DC, uh, you know, it, it's obvious that by d- making the decision they did, it is of value to them to try to serve those customers in the interim. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, every publisher is looking at this differently. Uh, every publisher has, um, a different appetite for, uh, or, or a different tolerance level, uh, for being off the shelves. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, every, every publisher, you know, sees different opportunities at different times. Um, you know, I, I will say that, uh, you know, I did the math on the first, you know, three weeks of books that had been announced. Uh, you know, since they are holding back, uh, you know, the really big, uh, you know, characters, you know, Superman, Batman, the big books, uh, you know, we're not talking about a very large portion, even of DC's business uh, that is is in play with this. Uh, and so uh, I think I figured that the, the books for the first two or three weeks uh, were just a couple of percentage points uh, on the overall or on the overall uh, you know comics market in February, uh, and so uh, you know it, again we will see. Um, you know there are uh, advantages to having multiple distributors, uh, as we saw in the early uh, 1990s. Uh, there were disadvantages, and Steve got into a bit of that, uh, a bit of the arms race that went on. Um, you know, Capital and Diamond together, uh, you know, both of them had something like 25 warehouses around the country. They had their own trucking fleets. Uh, they were they were flying comics all over the place uh, to get them there for the customers that wanted them. Uh, because because we did have a market where there you know there were so many shops, it was a competitive advantage to get them the day before or an hour before. Um, it's not entirely clear that this is that market anymore uh, or that, or that, um, you know, it, you know, one, one question we might ask is if there are people that have to have to have to have the next chapter of the story right away, have those people already gone to web comics or rather the internet, the digital comics? Uh, you know, that's, that's a question. Uh, we just don't know the answer to these things. Uh, and uh, this is what I say, uh, this is what I mean when I say this could be six months before we really know, um, you know, what anything means. And I'm not certain that, uh, you know, the, the uh, annual comparatives that I run uh, on Comicron uh, may even appear in the same way, shape or form. Uh, it's, it's, it's common that those numbers get used without any uh, uh, context about what was going on 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago. Uh, and you can't really put that in just a little listing in the sidebar. Uh, it's got to be explained in the text. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to make sure that people try to read the, uh, they do need to read the article and not just look at the numbers. Oops, I got caught. Yeah, I'm I just I, your site's one of those addictions. I remember used to be addicted to I still am baseball reference and I found the comic equivalent to baseball reference. So yeah, I just dig through all of that. Well, I think it's I think it's important, but it, it's also important to actually have that context. I mean, all right, if you're if you're comparing 
uh, if you're comparing football statistics from now to the football statistics, uh, you know, was it, uh, how long is it ago now? 35 years ago, uh, or 34 years ago, um, you'd say, hey, look at, look at these numbers versus those numbers. Well, you might be comparing with the strike year, uh, where there's replacement players <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the NFL. Um, or in baseball, uh, you know, you, you, you know, there's the live ball era as they call it. Uh, and, and, or, or, you know, you, you could be comparing against, uh, you know, the, well, the era when all the, the players were juiced. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's these things, the context has to kind of be known. Uh, and uh, it's, it's one of those things where uh, sometimes just the number doesn't tell you the story. All right. So to close out the meaty part, the meeting gritty part of it, uh, you did mention, I guess, the comparisons because a lot of, and you were hearing a lot of it. So you put out tweets. I want to say earlier last week, or maybe maybe it was last week about the comparisons of DC Comics publishing to Heroes World and how it's not the same at all. You want to just dive into that to just close it out? Yeah, I mean that was that was looking at what percentage of the business uh, these things were uh, and. Uh, you know, it's it's it, I, I when Heroes World uh, was bought uh, by Marvel, Heroes World was at that time serving about ten percent of the uh, stores in the country, or ten percent of the volume. Um, these two firms, uh, uh, DCBS and Midtown, together, uh, Diamond's two biggest customers, together account for about 10% of Diamond's comic sales. So, uh, you know, these are, these are, uh, I don't know that that means anything. That's just, uh, that's just, these are the scales we're talking about here. And, uh, you know, as, as for, uh, as for, you know, what the, uh, what the prospects are, what the future looks like, I, I do think it's, it's a, it's a complex question, uh, how it's going to work out as, as, as Steve mentioned, uh, these companies are uh, his competitors, but they're also uh, his customers. Um, he did mention that pretty like emphatically. I remember that. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I'm 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 wondering. Uh, I assume that they're getting their DC comics for their retail customers from their own distribution side, but I don't know that. <laughs> Somebody's probably done that interview already. Uh, you know, I think these are a lot of questions. I mean, you know what. It, 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 I don't know that um, I don't know that the statistics are going to be really helpful in this for a long time where we're going to be able to say, hey, look, um, you know, look at these numbers. This obviously means that this portion of D.C.'s business has been pulled away. I don't know that we're going to be able to tell that. I don't know that the numbers are going to be, uh, you know, valid and reliable. Valid validity is are you look. Uh, is the thing you're looking at what you're looking at? I mean, are you, are you correctly defining what you're looking at and reliable is, is this repeatable? Is this measure, can you, can this measure be used anywhere else? Is this reliable from month to month? Uh, you know, when I, when I was in grad school taking uh, uh, statistics for social science, uh, you know, these were the, these were the, uh, the, the questions you had to be able to ask uh, any data set that you were looking at, any theory that you were going to advance. Uh, and uh, I, I try to, you know, use that now on Comicron, uh, you know, to, to 
you know, not simply look at a, a fact that comes out and say, well, this is explained by that. Um, it's often a bunch of different things. And it may not be easy to know uh, what the impact of any of this stuff is. Uh, I say six months, it could be six years. You never know. It's just like everything. It's like with this, it's changing every day. So yeah. uh, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me, John. It's been sure great. Uh, just to close it out. Uh, you want to, I know, uh, let's do the site first. I know you got, we're going okay. to the site first. You mentioned, you mentioned you had a, and this is just from Twitter. You mentioned it in the show too. You're working on something crazy. Do you want to go into that or is that just going to come Yeah. Come yeah. Com- yeah. Comicron.com uh, is the website. Twitter is, Twitter is, uh, is Comicron, C-O-M-I-C-H-R-O-N. There's also a Facebook page and we have a Patreon and uh, for, for Comicron. Uh, it's just now starting up, but, I, I do on there uh, get a little bit into what uh, what I have been working on. Uh, I'm spending a lot of time uh, now handling the numbers that I have uh, from the 1960s um, and basically doing a lot of analysis that has had to wait <laughs> for a break. Uh, you know, I do the sales figures in between writing my books and, uh, you know, this is an occasion where I've got, you know, the time. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so it's uh, it's something where uh, I can't say for sure exactly where this research is going to go or where it's going to be published or how it's going to be published, but I already know a lot more than I ever did about sales in the 1960s and particularly how seasonal those sales were, uh, how much different you know sales were in the winter versus the summer. And so so that's there. Uh, and then on the fiction writing side, uh, people can find me, uh, farawaypress.com is my website, uh, Faraway Press on Twitter, and then just John Jackson Miller on Facebook. Uh, and my, uh, my next novel that's out is uh, out on July 14th. Uh, it is a Star Trek Discovery novel. Uh, it is called um, Die Standing, and uh, it, is, uh, it follows the, uh, the emperor from the mirror universe that we meet in the first season of Discovery uh, as played by Michelle Yeoh as she goes on her first mission for Section 31. And of course, um, you know, hiring uh, somebody who used to be, uh, you know, the, the most powerful person in another universe, uh, an, an, evil, an evil universe, uh, to be a spy for you doesn't always work. <laughs> <coughs> All right, well, looking forward to that. That's going to be great. And I'm, especially the 1960s numbers, because I'm curious on those. There is, and, there's some data that's on Comicron already for the 60s. It's just a taste. Just a it's, uh, in the, it's in the yearly comics section. I can't wait to see what you got coming up. Uh, and uh, again, thank you all for listening. This has been the We're Young Witches Us podcast, episode 12. Uh, make sure to follow me on the new uh, Twitter account for Rion, which just does W Y B J U, the initials of that, uh, and also at Sports Opinions Thirty for the main uh, podcast channel that we are, Sports Opinions Podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Stay inside.